think we can kind of just get this thing started. Cool. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so you want to tell everyone your name and just kind of where you're from? Yeah, sure, man. Uh, yeah, uh, my name's Kevin Rupert. I uh, from the Dayton area originally. Uh, actually, Franklin is kind of my hometown, um, but uh, I've been. Uh, you know, all over this area. I moved around the country for a little bit, so I, I didn't move back to, you know, uh, the Miami Valley until relatively recently, about a year ago, a little, uh, I guess a little more than a year ago now. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been doing the comedy thing, uh, trying to keep that going, uh, running a few shows. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Cool, man. Yeah. So how long have you been doing stand up? Uh, I started uh, about a year and eight months ago, I think. It was a uh, yeah, maybe or a year and nine months. It was January of 2017. So just so, a couple years, a little under two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I think around yeah. the same time as me, actually. Maybe a little, a couple months after me. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm about yeah. two years. That's right. That's yeah, right. so that's that's pretty cool. How did you get your start? Uh, so I actually was living in New Jersey at the time, and uh, I had just finished my uh, my MBA and um, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but I knew there, there were a lot of things that I wanted to, to try that were kind of on my bucket list, and one of them was stand-up comedy. Uh, and so I went to uh, West End Lounge, which was, uh, you know, a kind of a little bar on the west side of Manhattan across the uh, Hudson from New Jersey and uh, did my first open mic. Uh, it went OK. I got a few laughs and I was like, you know, I think this went well enough to where I can kind of continue with it. And so I did that in New Jersey. And then uh, my girlfriend ended up moving back here because she got a, a residency. She's a, a physician. Um, and so I kind of followed her and just tried to keep the comedy thing going once I got back here. That's really dope, man. So you, you brought it all the way back here with you. I tried. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> yeah, that's sweet, man. So uh, you, would you like to hit this a couple times? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, so uh, what what's what do you think is the most memorable moment, like as a comedian? Oh man, uh, most uh, most memorable moment. Um, I mean, I I don't know if you share this trait, but I I feel like uh, most of my memorable moments are the bad ones. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Unfortunately, that's that's how you learn, right? Yeah, you you know, you yeah, definitely. Got to be, it's got to be tough sometimes, you know, right? So that you can get better, right? Sure, sure. And uh, I would say the the one that I remember the most is uh, I think it was about my fifth open mic. It was at this place called Parkside Lounge. I went back into Manhattan because I figured that was a good place to hit a lot of mics at once, and um. Yeah, I'd been doing stand up for about two weeks at that point, and uh, it was—I uh, mean, it was a relatively like nice venue, you know. Starting out, like there was an actual crowd there. I, I mean, it was basically the people who had signed up to do this uh, this open mic. Um, but nonetheless, a lot of them were musicians, and um, there were some poets and uh, spoken word people. Um, so it was enough of a mix to where it felt like a real audience. And uh, I had to wait to uh, until. Uh, about two and a half hours into the show to go on because there was a list you had to sign up and and as people were finishing their sets they were leaving and so by the time I got up there the only people that were left in the audience were these two old guys <laughs> and I was stuck uh, you know doing jokes about like uh, uh, you know rap lyrics and like you know Star Wars and shit like that <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck no you're idea talking about. yeah I was I was looking at these two confused guys like just sitting there like with this confused look on their face and I was like uh, yeah this is not it's not fun. <laughs> There's so many times like that where you're right. like, this is fucking comedy. Yeah. Like, yeah, why did I sign up for yeah. this? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Sometimes it sucks big time. You know, it, I, I'm trying to think of something. I've definitely bombed, dude. I bombed my, mm-hmm. I bombed my dick off, you know. Sure. But also when you start bombing a lot, they say you're about to reach a new plateau. So sometimes maybe that's when you need yeah. to start writing more or whatever. 
Right. Because I do that a lot. Like, if I bomb, even if it's material that's tried and true, if I bomb with it, I'm like, right. well, fuck, I better, I better get to it. I better start writing, get to better jokes, get out sure. there on the scene more. So it, it helps you in that way. It definitely uh, motivates you, huh? Pumps you up a little bit when you bomb. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I've had some of my best sets after a night that I absolutely just totally ate it. Yeah. Um, and because I think it's because like it creates a, a motivation, like, like you said, um, not just to like kind of uh, buckle down and like do whatever work is necessary behind the scenes, but also like when you get on stage, like you're not scared of bombing because you just did the night prior and everything turned out fine. Um, but at the same time, like you have a, a greater desire to do well at it because you don't want to bomb back to back nights. It's a, it's a, an interesting mixture, but I think like, I think sometimes you have your best sets after a night that you've totally just ate a dick, you know? I completely agree, actually. Yeah, that happens all the time, man. What do you think about uh, doing a lot of a lot of mics back to back to back to back and doing the same material? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I know it's different when it comes to, say, open mics, mm-hmm. right? When you're trying new stuff and the bits right. might not work. But there's something to be said about those guys who are on the road and they're doing the same shit every night. You know what I mean? How do you yeah, feel about sure. that? How often do you do comedy and how... You know, mm-hmm. how much do you think is too much? Um, yeah, it's a good it's a good question. I think it depends on uh, you know, what your goals are in it, mm-hmm. um, to a degree, and also what your own individual like stamina is. Um and I'm still kind of figuring that out. Uh but I, I have noticed that if I do I mean, I think this month, like at least like for the first like three weeks, the last few days I haven't done stand up at all, but the last or the the first roughly three weeks, I did stand up almost every night somewhere, mm, you know. Yeah. Um. And uh, it it burns you out after a while to a point where like you you kind of lose your sensitivity to it, and I I think that takes away the motivation to um you know do well because the motivation comes from seeking that laughter, and if you're disengaged and you don't really care what happens because you've been doing it back to back to back too many nights in a row, you know that motivation is gone. Um, so I, th- I do think it is Im- uh, important to like take breaks, um, and, uh, and try, uh, try out new material a lot, you know, at the right venues, I think, um, cause you don't want to, you know, be trying out new material if you're on like a showcase or a show where it's important that you do well, but I, I definitely think it's important to, uh, to mix it up that way you don't get bored, you know? Yeah. And, and to take yourself crazy. Yeah. And to take breaks when appropriate. Yeah, yeah. exactly, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. I'm for taking sure. a, I'm taking a break this week for the holiday already right sure. now, uh, looking forward to that just kind of you know hanging back and then you know hopefully mm-hmm. i see something crazy or hopefully i you know i get yeah. some weird idea about what this holiday is or something i'm <laughs> i'm you know i'm looking for shit all the time you know right. as as you are as we all as comedians do uh but at the same time yeah doing mics is not the only it's like the same thing i used to hear this i'm not a very religious person but i used to hear this mm-hmm. saying like uh you don't have to go to church to have god in your life you know right it's the same thing right. like I could be funny without going to mics every night. So yeah, oh, sure, it is good. Sure. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely agree as far as a balance thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, man, there's been some nights where I'd do like, you know, seven or eight mics mm-hmm. in a week and I'm just crushed yeah. and I'm not, I, even if I do well at mm-hmm. six of them, I'm still not happy when I yeah. lay down at the end of the week. Cause I'm, my soul is crushed. Exactly. It's like, fuck, yeah. I didn't get paid for most <laughs> of it. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. uh, you know, comedy is a tough, it's a tough gig. So yeah, it's one of those things where if you're super resilient, though, you mm-hmm. can stick around for a while, man. And, you know, I think everybody starts, yep. everybody starts to get a little bit of the profit. And it's, you know, eventually uh, there's also uh, like a weird statistic. I forget what it is, uh, who made it, but it's mm-hmm. essentially, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, the 10% of people 
who don't qu- or it's like the three percent of people who don't quit 97 percent of people end up working for those people yeah or something along those lines you i know? believe that yeah mm-hmm. so it's just about totally yeah it's just about staying relevant writing new mm-hmm. shit taking breaks when you need to yep for sure man that's good shit um yeah mm-hmm. so i had a couple other things i want to talk to you about and uh yeah sure man see here so have you ever met any celebrities oh man um you know uh, oh, actually, it's funny. You're on John Glenn Road. I had dinner with uh, John Glenn one time. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Uh, th- this was. Uh, I'll tell everyone where uh, I live. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry, sorry, man. Okay. <laughs> sorry about that. Okay. Uh, I didn't even think about it. Uh, but uh, but no, I. Um, it was uh, Washington D.C. I was doing an internship there. This is about <laughs> ten years ago now. Uh, and um, yeah, it was part of the uh, John Glenn uh, Washington Academic Internship Program. So he essentially. Uh, sponsored the whole thing. Um, and he was one of the main reasons why I was able to go out there because his scholarship paid for my accommodations. Um, otherwise I would have been screwed because, uh, we were in this place called the congressional, which is like, you know, a stone's throw from the Capitol building. Um, and it's about $1,200, uh, a month per individual and it's dorms, you know? So essentially it's, it's 2,400 per unit basically. Um, and there's uh, per month and there's no way I could have afforded that. Cause I, I was there for four months. So, um, the, uh, uh, the internship program and the, the scholarship fund helped pay, uh, finance that. Um, and so toward the end of the semester, uh, cause it was an entire semester I was doing at Ohio state that I spent there in DC as part of this program. Uh, we got to sit down and have dinner with uh, John Glenn and then talk to him for a while afterward. And I think his wife was there as well. Um, I think they both passed away in about the past two years or so. Um, but he was super cool and, uh, really, uh, you know, helpful in terms of advice and stuff like that. And that's sweet. And, uh, yeah, he was a really good guy. Uh, I think that's the main, um, I mean, most of the celebrities that I've come into contact with are in the world of politics. So they're not even really celebrities. They're just people who are on like cable news. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and well, stuff like that. Interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, other than that, I don't, I can't think of any like major actors or musicians that I've come into contact with. So John Glenn was one of the guys on the Apollo 13. Am I right? Um, he was, uh, the first man to, uh, orbit the earth. The first man to orbit. The yeah. Earth. He didn't land on the moon. Correct. Um, okay, that but was Neil Armstrong. That's yeah, Neil Armstrong and um, Buzz Aldrin. Uh, I I don't yeah, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. I I don't know. I, I, there were a few other individuals that also did, but uh, um, I don't remember their names. But yeah, uh, John Glenn was the first guy to orbit the Earth, and then he returned uh, to space as part of the space shuttle program when he was in his eighties, uh, which was or it may have been seventies, but he was the oldest person to to go into space Whoa. as well. So he, yeah, he lived an interesting life. He, he also was a U.S. Senator for a long time and ran for president in uh, like 1984, I think. Wow, dude, that's so really dope. He did a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, dude, he really did. You know a lot of shit about John Glenn. Yeah, he, he was a cool guy. I uh, I enjoyed uh, talking to him. I got to talk to him for about 45 minutes, so it was it was fun. That's dope. Just that, that night at the banquet or like during that ceremony situation? Or mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. He was like, I'm never coming yep. back here again. <laughs> right. You didn't see him around campus or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, where do you uh, where do you get your inspiration from when you write? Um, that's a really good question, man. I feel like I'm one of those people who like if I'm going to write good material, I really have to dig deep. You know, like I have to like shut everything out and just search for 
you know, the funniest thoughts I can come up with. Like I, I've tried the, the method of, uh, you know, waiting, um, and letting stuff come to me, like stuff that I, you know, see throughout the day and just kind of drawing material from that. Yeah. Kind of getting that um, flow state. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that from time to time, like I've come up with a decent bit with that method, but for the most part, the best stuff that I've come up with, I've just sat down and thought like, I'm going to write some really funny comedy. I'm going to dig into my brain and like find the funniest thoughts I can think of and then just expound upon them. Um, and, uh, so the inspiration really just comes from just reviewing like thoughts that I've had and trying to mine them for, you know, for funny ideas basically and premises. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's dope, man. So you just Mm -hmm. basically grind it out. Mm-hmm. Right. You you get. Yeah. You yeah, start, totally. Yeah. Get your wheels turning. Start typing. Get those words yep. down, man. Mm-hmm. I'm the same way. Yeah. And a lot of times you'll write shit. You'll have a bunch of. Oh, shit, yeah. Sure. But then there's one or two little yep. things in there and you're like, yep. dude, somebody's going to mm-hmm. laugh at this. Right. Yeah. You're like, I know this mm-hmm. is better than the other shit, but I needed to write the other shit to get to this. And it's mm-hmm. like a weird puzzle. You know? Yeah. I found the same thing when I used to write music. It's like this weird it's like mm-hmm. when you hear like some music, like an instrumental mm-hmm. or something like that. I used to have the sensation that I could already hear all the lyrics in my head. I just had right. to like materialize them for other people. Sure, does that make sure. sense? Like I could already Absolutely. hear. It. I just had to dig in there and fucking find it. Yeah, pull that shit. So that's really dope. Definitely that's really dope. I think a lot of people do that when they do. You know that the flow state thing you were talking about too, mm-hmm. though, is also helpful. Yeah, when you just. You get in that funny, mm-hmm. that funny mode, and I think yeah. we were talking about earlier that kind of guys, guys that are on tour doing the same, sh- the same gig every weekend, right, for months at a time. Sure, they're in that flow state, right? Yeah, they're probably not coming up. Maybe they are coming up with new shit. Hopefully, right, coming up with a new hour. That's yeah, what they, sure. That's what they ought to be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can only hope, but that's sweet, man. Um, so, is there? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the longest time you've ever been on stage? Uh, I did. Um, I think like. It was like 32 minutes, uh, and oddly enough, this was like within the first like few months that I was doing stand up. And the only Shit. reason why I did that much time was because I was at a uh, an open mic in Hackensack, New Jersey, uh, called Lenora, or the bar's called Lenora's. And uh, the guy who hosted it, um, not a lot of people wanted to go up, so he would give you pretty much unlimited time wow and um that particular night for whatever reason you know uh, like sometimes you have those and I, I actually don't have them that frequently but every now and then i'll have a night where for whatever reason i just feel totally uninhibited and yeah. i just like don't care yeah. and i just want to do it for as long as i can and and i just kind of caught lightning in a bottle that night and i was feeling really good and uh so i ended up doing yeah 32 minutes just kind of like riffing on different stuff and talking like to the audience and stuff like that um but that's by far the I think the most time I've ever done, and I definitely shouldn't have been. I was not prepared to do <laughs> that <laughs> That's much a good time. way to get your teeth though when you're fucking new, yeah. you know. And, and yeah, definitely. Man, sometimes you just got to get out there and start fucking, you know, snapping the old yeah. fingers like bewitch, you know, That's right. wiggling your nose and <laughs> just making some shit materialize. <laughs> That's right. It's kind of like magic, isn't it? In a weird way, comedy is. It's yeah, like, I guess. Look over yeah. here. No, wait it's a, a second. <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, misdirections. It's yeah, for sure. a lot about misdirection. Those left turns are the things that usually get people bent over mm-hmm. in their chairs. Like, yeah. oh, this motherfucker, <laughs> you know, because they're playing it on themselves in a weird way, right? Because in their yeah. head, they're they're thinking that's another thing about comedy and music. It's all about yeah. their interpretation internally also. Right. You know what I mean? They could be taking right. it completely fucking different. Oh, sure. A lot of people do. Yep. That's cool, man. Uh, shit. Well, 
you're you're a pretty seasoned guy. Is there any advice you could give to younger comics kind of listening to this or people come, you know? Oh man, um I mean, I still feel pretty new myself. Um I mean, I don't know uh what kind of the threshold is in terms of uh how long you've been doing it that you start to feel kind of like a a veteran in it mm-hmm. or whatnot. Um still being under the 2-year mark, I I feel, you know, like kind of a novice, like I'm still learning a lot sure. with each time on stage. Um, but I think the one thing that I would try and impart to someone who's like just starting out is that when you first start doing it, you don't really know, I think how to find like, like you don't even have the basic skill set to like find what funny is Uh because, uh, the way like there's a gap between like the way you envision things are going to go on stage, uh, and the way they actually go and what actually translates to when you're performing, Um, so just as an example, like when I first started doing open mics, I had looked up that there's like a formula to comedy, basically. Like there's like, you know, if you, there are different humor triggers, you know, so like saying words in a funny way or like, you know, just doing body uh, language, yeah, rule of threes, rule of threes, certain things, uh, you know, set up punchline, misdirection, all those things. And those things are actual laws that apply to comedy, but you can't try and, in my opinion, I don't think you can sit down with the mentality that you're going to apply an algorithm or a formula to figure it out. You know, like you want to keep the tenets of, of, uh, you know, comedy in mind. But like, I think you want to sit down and first and foremost, start with thoughts that like you find funny. A lot of and art. Then, I, yeah. I can I I can agree with that to a degree because I think yeah. it does have to do with a little. There's a formula for sure, right? We have sure. to follow. We have to mm-hmm. follow that with every trade or every because we're kind of at the mercy of professionals always, right? Right. right. But at the same time, that being said, uh, I think there's also um, uh, to shit. I'm stoned. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's all right. I had a really good point. Wait, what did you say? Again? What that's, were we talking about? Yeah, yeah. So, um, what did you say the, towards the end? What were we saying? So, so basically, just I feel like one of the things that I I learned, uh, I've learned relatively early on is is that like you, in my opinion, I I think it's hard. It makes it much harder if you try and find, like, if you try and create funny jokes by sitting down with like a formula in mind. Like, okay. I'm going to do misdirection with this one. Right. Uh, right off the bat, like okay, starting kind of, about. kind of starting so, with that as opposed to like the idea. And then right. uh, instead of like finding the idea first, finding the humor in the idea, and why you think it's funny, why right. you think it's funny. That's and what then I was going to touch on. Rules so I feel on. like all art is like that, too. Mm-hmm. It's about perspective. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's sure. what makes great artists great mm-hmm. artists because they have a different perspective mm-hmm. or a different opinion than the majority of people. Right. So, yeah, that's. That's kind of what I was saying. Yeah, I think it does start with a formula, but at the same time, I can agree with you on the on the perspective part of it. So. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's dope. Um, okay, so some other questions about uh, kind of what we've been doing here. We've been smoking a little bit of weed here, mm-hmm. um, and I just want to ask. I know you have, but ha- this for everybody else. Have you ever smoked weed? I yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then when uh, when was the first time you ever smoked? Um. Oh man, I think it was. I was like in the eighth grade. Or maybe it was seventh grade, and I was at a uh, Friday night like high school football game, and um, yeah, they used to have, where they had like kind of the locker room and stuff like that behind that, uh, you know, between that and like the fencing of the stadium. Uh, that was the first time I ever smoked pot. Shit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. who had the weed? How how did it go down? Give me some details. I, you know, I don't even remember which friend it was, but it was one of my uh, just junior high friends. Like he, you know, had a joint and he was just kind of passing it around. And, uh, yeah, we all took a little hit. How you know? old were you? Uh, I was probably like 12 or 13, okay. something like that. Yeah, I was pretty young when I started, too. 
And like, I don't necessarily advocate that, right? This is like, sure. This podcast doesn't promote drug use, but <laughs> at the same time, there's a difference, right, between kids smoking and people like of the age of 21 smoking, for sure. Just right. like alcohol, I think there's a threshold. But with the laws in place, it mm-hmm. creates us doing it at a younger mm-hmm. age and things like that. It creates, it makes you want to try it because they say that you shouldn't, but it's actually available a, right. lot, a lot. Some for some reason, it was like this, right. It was like this weird thing. You know, mm-hmm. it it really was for a long time. It's also interesting that f- for the most part, up until mm-hmm. right now, it's been a secret. It's been like on the hush hush, but most sure. people do it. But right. it's like, shh, and it's uh, yeah. it's kind of coming out of the dark now. It is, you know. Yeah, I I feel like it's one of those things. I mean, technically, like it's still listed as like a Schedule One drug yeah. according to like the FDA and and all of that stuff, which but means that it has addictive properties, right? Right, right. But things right. like uh, what which is it's interesting but what i i just heard this that joe biden wants to make it a schedule two drug which may not be good right. for us overall because mm-hmm. if you put it in uh in place like cocaine and uh fentanyl things like that that yeah. are for medical use sure then what you actually end up doing is letting the government own it right yep like essentially because mm-hmm. the they own the medical industry and yep. if it's for medical use then you'll only be able to get it at a pharmacy as opposed right. to, I think that's a big question too, is like recreational versus, uh, you know, mm-hmm. medical use versus just overall well-being. You know sure. what I mean? Because there's something yep. to be said about approaching life in a, in a happy, mm-hmm. positive way. Yeah. So uh, are you aware that there's 14 states that are now decriminalized, Ohio being one of them, for marijuana? Yeah, that's what I've heard. So yeah. do you know why or kind of why that's happening? Um, from from, from yeah. what I know, it's basically mm-hmm. this. Uh, hemp. Mm-hmm is now legal in the United States. So yeah. they don't know the difference. There's just not enough testing. There's right. th- and that's what they're saying. If we pe- catch you with three pounds of hemp or three pounds of pot, we don't know the difference right now. Mm-hmm. So it's like a gray area to where people can kind of do it mm-hmm. a little more openly, but it, right. but it's coming because there's, uh, as of January 1st, Illinois will be the 10th state to actually make it recreational. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody can sell it. It's not just like... Mm-hmm tobacco or milk you can't just start a farm you'd have to get a license which you probably do for those things too right but uh i i think that's i think that's pretty cool but how do you feel about like you think that people should be able to do it for fun or do you think everybody should do it or just for medical or how do you feel as far as like the the legality of it yeah no i think it should be totally legal um i think it's much less harmful overall than alcohol is i i mean i think if uh and and i partake in alcohol pretty much all the time you know so uh um i i'm totally in favor of it being legalized i think people should be able to use it whenever they want to um obviously i mean you know there should be restrictions on exactly like you shouldn't be able to you know use it proceferously and then you know drive a vehicle or something yeah like that. in your car or um, with your kids in the car right yeah There's yeah times basic places. basic regulations like that but in terms of like the overall like legality of it i yeah it would definitely be in favor of it being fully available across the mm-hmm. board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm the same way, bro. I'm the same way. I've been smoking pot for a long time. I probably shouldn't have been smoking as young as I, excuse me, as young as I was. Sure. But I definitely did. And, uh, mm-hmm. I'm just one of those people who, mm-hmm. who uses it for a lot of different reasons. Like I don't yeah. think it's just for physical health. I think it's for mental health as well. Oh yeah. You know, sure. I have anxiety yeah. and sometimes I fight depression. Yeah. And I, I have been for a long time and marijuana is it's none. I don't have any of yeah. that when I smoke. I'm nothing. It doesn't, yep. I, I approach life differently. It's, mm-hmm. uh, 
it's been good for me, but I don't mm -hmm. think it's for everyone. I think it's a blanket statement to say everybody yep. should get high and right. smoke weed because people vary differently in our body chemistry. Oh, sure. I know sure. some people who have smoked it and they've gotten fucked up and they don't want to ever do it again. And they probably yep. shouldn't. And that's mm -hmm. okay. You know? Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I agree, man. For totally. sure. Um, so, well, I guess I asked you that. Um, let's see here. Uh, with your background in politics, uh, mm -hmm. how would someone like myself or listeners, what would we do to get like new legislation or new laws put into place as far as the legality of things such as marijuana? Um, that's a really good question, man. I mean, it's an interesting time politically. There's an awful lot of uh, gridlock and dysfunction. Um, uh, we have divided government right now, obviously, in the, in the formal sense, because we have uh, the Democrats controlling the House, uh, Republicans controlling the Senate. Um, and then uh, the presidency controlled by Republicans. Uh, Supreme Court is largely conservative. Um, so uh, w whenever you have a political system like this, I mean, the main thing that's going to move legislation is results at the ballot box. You know, so like if you have a specific um, agenda item you're trying to get done, you're going to want to find out which party is most in support of it and then try and support them and, and try and uh, – ensure that they gain a majority uh in the legislature holy you know? shit that's that's how you I do think, it i think that's the that's the most effective method um <clears throat> it seems that seems weird to me that you have to like find someone who's mm -hmm. might may or may not be down with what you're down with and then you have yep. to pick them mm -hmm. and then you have to ask them yeah you have to get a bunch of people in your area right together first sure as far sure. as petitions and things like that to yeah that's one way to organize. Is yep. that how you organize? So yep. what 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 else, what else would be? So let's just say I mm -hmm. got my is it a delegate, a state delegate, right? I pick mm -hmm. him, and then he gets voted as the governor. What would be my next step to kind of get some new laws in place for weed if we want to decriminalize it here in Ohio? Well, it, you know, if you supported um, a you know a gubernatorial candidate who uh, you know agrees with your position that you're trying to get passed, um, and then he ends up getting elected. The next step is just to continue lobbying him while he's in office. Because in in theory, I mean, if he is going to keep his campaign promise, then if he can get the legislature to go along with whatever the idea is, uh, then the work is uh, is essentially done. But it, the reality is that um, a lot of the time that politician who promised to do that thing while he was uh, campaigning uh, isn't necessarily going to follow through once he's in office. Also, he's going to have a lot of different uh, stakeholders to contend with in order to bring that legislation to fruition. So like, so he's going to have a, a legislature that he has to work with and it may, may or may not be controlled by the other party, um, which is extremely relevant. Um, he's going to have to, you know, try and create a proposal that isn't going to get halted by uh, the judiciary, like in the state Supreme court um, or, or the U S Supreme court for that matter, if it eventually gets to that point. Um, so basically the best thing that you you can do once you get that person in office who's advocating for that legislation you want passed is just continue to push them, you know, and okay. basically just hold them accountable. So Say, how do we find those people in the first place? Um, yeah, it's a good question, man. I mean, uh, I think you just look uh, like look at different people who are running for office, um, and uh, decide which one, uh, you know, agrees with the thing that you're with your biggest priority. Okay. You know? Um, and then that's probably the best way. Or, I mean, I think a lot of people should run for office themselves. Like, even if it's not like at like, you know, uh, a statewide level, 
Like, I, I think you can run for office, you know, for a local state Senate or state house seat, or you can run for city council or, you know, I mean, I, I like, I'm a big believer that like people have the potential to like be the change that they want to see, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of different options, man. Wow. For sure. <laughs> That's really cool, bro. Wow. I think, yeah, I think people are going to get a lot out of this, man. So I, I, I definitely feel like I have, um, so could you tell me more about like your background in politics and sort of maybe some of those cool interactions you've had with some politics or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Can you kind of dive yeah. into that for me? Yeah, sure, man. Um, actually it's really funny cause, uh, you know, right now the, um, uh, Democrats are, are because we have an election coming up in 2020. Um, so there's a democratic primary going on right now. Um, the voting hasn't started the, uh, I think the first primary is, uh, in Iowa in like February or something like that. Maybe, maybe January. I can't remember. Um, but a lot of these different candidates that are running on the democratic side, like I've had actual interactions with. So like, so it's kind of funny to look at it and evaluate them based, not just on like what they're saying, like on the campaign trail, but like, think about like what they were like as a person. Like, for example, like Elizabeth Warren, um, uh, when I was interning for, uh, Senator Sherrod Brown, who's the, uh, uh, senior Senator from, uh, from our state, uh, uh, she was the head of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau at the time. She called into his office over, it was actually about this time nine years ago, because it was over Thanksgiving break. Um, and uh, she called the main line. So like, she didn't like call like the chief of staff or anything like that. She called the general line that she found off the website, which Shit. I was an intern. So I was responsible for answering those yeah. calls. And um, there weren't many other people in the, off in the office because it was Thanksgiving, uh, you know, break. And so a lot of the, um, you know, uh, what staffers like were, were at, like they'd left and gone home. And, uh, so she calls in and she's looking for somebody to talk to in, in the office who's still available. Cause she wants to talk about legislation and, uh, I couldn't find anybody. So I, I literally had to put uh, like, keep her on hold and just keep her running around the office, trying to find somebody <laughs> to relay the, uh, this lady, this lady to, um, and each time, like I would get back on the phone, she'd be like, Oh no, take your time. Like it's, it's cool. And she was asking me about like what was going on with me and like how my job was going wow. and everything. So she was, she was super cool. I mean, I have various disagreements with her on policy and I think that, um, you know, she may be a little bit, uh, disingenuous on the campaign trail about stuff that she wants to do once she gets elected. Now, well, um, could you touch but, uh, on that a bit more? Oh, sure. Yeah. I think, um, disagree with her about as far as her policies. Well, I, I'm a little bit concerned with her stance on healthcare because she's like, uh, she's dithered a little bit. Like originally she was supportive of, uh, what they call Medicare for all, which is the essentially Bernie Sanders, uh, proposal. Um, and then she kind of backtracked on that and said, you know, something akin to like Medicare for all who want it, which is like a totally different policy position, which involves like keeping private, private health insurance intact. Um, and, uh, I, I'm just I, I think that if you're gonna get something that's closer to like a single payer healthcare system, which is what I support, like you have to come at it from a position that's further to the left. Mm -hmm. And so I disagree with her on like her approach on that. Um, but I mean, to a large extent, I, I agree with a, a lot of what she says. I mean, there's some identity politics stuff I don't necessarily like a whole lot, but but I, I just go back to the interaction I had with her, and I feel like she's like a genuine person. Like I feel like she really cares about people, you know. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I think sometimes, uh, like looking back on that stuff, like provides a little bit of insight and kind of influences, like whether it should or not, it, it biases me toward one candidate as opposed to another, you know? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, she's, she's interesting. And, and a lot of the other candidates are as well. I, I, uh, had a really super brief interaction with Bernie Sanders one time where I just said hi to him 
and uh, and he was like, "Hi, how are?" You? Like he just said, "Hi back," and that was that was it. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah, Elizabeth Warren, I had that conversation with, and she was she was pretty cool. What do you think about guys like Jeff Sessions saying that uh, good people don't smoke marijuana? Uh, that's just fucking ridiculous. Is that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Is he still in? Po- is he out of office now? Uh, he's running for Senate in Alabama. Okay. Um, he was the Attorney General, and then I think he resigned because Trump, uh, or actually Trump may have um fired him. There's no, a, I think he resigned. There's a lot of shit going on that I don't understand, but uh, from, it's crazy. From yeah. out here, what it looks mm-hmm. like to me is that some fucking rich cowboy, like the kind of guy that Bush wanted to mm-hmm. be, yeah. the kind of guy that he portrayed himself to as the public, right? Right. To the public, right? I think that guy is really in fucking office now, and yeah. he's got sure. money to play with, and he, you know, he mm-hmm. doesn't give a shit about these guys, the money, the lobbyists. He doesn't need it, mm-hmm. right? Because he's just like playing a game. He's a rich psycho. <laughs> I I love him, bro. I, I like it, I don't I don't even watch politics. I know nothing about it. But yeah, sure. I love what the fuck he's doing because there's a there's shit getting shooken up in, in Washington, right. right, and all over the country. Sure. Because of this shit. Um. I, I. But what's crazy is if you start saying mm-hmm. that you like him, all of a sudden I'm racist or I'm like a conspiracy theorist and like. Right. I I I've been I've been hearing like a weird weird uh you know a lot, a lot of weird weird shit attached with the, with Donald mm-hmm. Trump like you can't. You you yeah. you almost you know you almost want to be careful about what you say in uh, public. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's crazy, man. And I um you know as someone who actually you know comes at politics more from the left, like uh, I I may be in the minority on this, at least among like sort of people who are generally agree with the policies that I like. But um, it really frustrates me with, when people characterize Trump supporters as racist and like homophobic and um you know xenophobic and all that stuff because I feel like like any voting block like no group is a monolith. Right. And like, and also I, I think a lot of people supported Trump simply because, uh, he, you know, was an adversary to the system that they despise, you know, that's disenfranchised them economically. Um, and and there's a whole other multitude of reasons why people supported him. I I think that there were very few people that were like, I'm going to go vote for Trump because I think he's a racist. You know, and I agree with I don't that. Think anyone like, did that. Yeah, like it's I, I, it's just crazy when when people suggest it. I, I mean, I'm sure that there are some people that I think some racists voted for him just because they, sure. they were like, oh, let's get the black. Finally, there's no, you know, let's get the black guy out of here, right? People probably sure. came out in droves mm-hmm. that didn't even vote before. Yep. So you can say that racists voted for mm-hmm. him just because he's a white guy it doesn't mean that all people that voted for him are racist, right? Right, right. It's and kind of ridiculous statement. No, it's true, and uh, yeah, I feel like. There, there may have been a really small minority of people that like latched on to the idea that he was r- racist, who maybe had xenophobic tendencies, who voted for him. Yeah. But they're not at all representative of the broader coalition. Exactly. You know? And um, yeah, so I, I think it's crazy when people say that what primarily got Trump into office was racism. I think it was a combination of of other things. Gets so and, uh, twisted up, dude. Just it just yeah. gets so twisted. By the time they get in office, like you said mm-hmm. earlier, things don't even mm-hmm. fall through. So mm-hmm. yeah, people just talk shit, man. You know, yeah. and the good yep. shit sticks. Yep. The best stories stick. It doesn't matter if it's no, true it's or not. True. People want to be fucking entertained, right? Yeah. That's that's why we're doing this. That's um, <laughs> I can't remember. I, I actually I a few years ago I was um, the last time I worked in politics or the last job I had in politics was in uh, 2016. I managed a, uh, a Senate campaign uh, in Florida. And uh, I remember at the time I had a thought um, in relation to – what was the point you just made? Uh, I, I'm actually – I'm a little stoned now, I'm too. I'm kind of stoned, too, dude. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, um, you said something really interesting 
um, about uh, uh, yeah, people, yeah, entertainment. Like yeah. people just want to be entertained. People like be entertained, man. And I, I feel like what happened to a certain degree, like people got so disenchanted with the political process and started to feel like it failed them. And, and for that reason, they thought, and, and this is part of the phenomenon that led to Trump. They thought, well, hell, if it's not working for for me in my daily life, like it's not, if it's not creating economic opportunities for me, if it's not resulting in increased wages or, uh, or, or better healthcare or any of that stuff, I might as well turn politics into a forum for entertainment, yeah. you know, because then it becomes like a, basically a, another reality show that you can enjoy. It's the biggest one and, of uh, all time. It is. It yeah. is, bro. Yep. It's and, like uh, watching Caesar get stabbed by the yeah. fucking, by his friends. <laughs> Dude, that's what it, that's what it looks like. Yeah, it kind of is here. like that. You know what yeah. I mean? From a guy who doesn't know what's going on, that's the best analogy that sure. I can come up with. It's like, sure. Everything is going wrong. Yep. Uh, but it, he's still there. Right. And it seems yeah. like the people actually want him again. It, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I'm not a, a Trump supporter, but I, I don't think. Who, well, I'm who's, trying to. Who's running for him, and who would you vote for if it wasn't him coming up? Well, I, I probably will vote for whoever uh, the Democrat, uh, the Democratic nominee is. That like most like most likely, um, unless it's, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think if there are any candidates that I like would definitely not vote for. So you're saying Democrats because that's what you represent. That's what you well. Most- uh, are aligned with or yeah i don't know the difference sure yeah from a policy perspective i tend to agree more with the democrats and the republicans um not necessarily on everything there are some issues i'm a little more conservative on but on like the core bedrock economic issues i'm largely to the left so that's why to folks like the basic of what before before we go into that kind of the basics of what a democrat versus a republican are oh sure yeah um so in terms of policy um you know, or well, I guess we could start with ideology. Like, ideologically, Democrats, at least historically, they tend to be more on the side of like labor rights. Um, you know, uh, a progressive tax system. You know, so that that's essentially like higher tax rate for the rich generally. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, more investment in social programs. Um, you know. That, that tends to be where they lie ideologically. And then on the conservative side, they're much more, uh, you know, obviously like fiscally um, conservative. Uh, they're big advocates of cutting spending. And that's the Republican um, side is more conservative. Exa- exactly. Okay. So, that, yeah, ideologically, the Republicans are more conservative and they, um, you know, tend to, to err on the side of, you know, tax cuts. Um, they're big into social defense. opportunities do Democrats put their money into that you were talking about? Um, I mean, I think the biggest one uh, – or the biggest aspiration of the Democratic Party that I really value is universal health care. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are other things I you know, have various disagreements with them on, but I think that that's an important issue because we're the only industrialized country in the world that doesn't have uh, health care as a right for mm-hmm. all of our citizens, essentially. Um, and uh, there, there's a narrative out there that uh, it's not uh, tenable. Like you can't, if you create a system like that, like it's ultimately going to lead to like, uh, you know, worse, worse healthcare outcomes. And I think based, if you use other countries in the world as a case study, it turns out that it actually, like, it is something that's uh, achievable here. Um, and so that's, that's probably my biggest uh, issue. And the thing I agree most with the Democrats on. Yeah. We can um, look at Canada as a good uh, representation yeah. for the, yeah. for the universal healthcare kind of absolutely working for everyone. Um, that's yep. a, that's definitely a good example. I'm not familiar if there are any mm-hmm. other countries or any other case studies you could cite. Uh, sure, man. Um, like Eastern Europe, okay. m- pretty much every country there. Um, 
you know, uh, also just Europe generally, like France, uh, you know, Great Britain, uh, Italy, Germany. These are all countries that essentially have, um, you know, a single payer healthcare system or or something that's uh, a permutation of one. Okay. Um, and uh, and it seems to produce pretty good health outcomes. Um, I mean, that's why our average life expectancy in the U.S. is falling below, um, you know, a lot of other countries, uh, a lot of other developed countries in the world, um, is because our healthcare system lags behind. Do you think that's something we just forgot along the way, or in a, or what? Mm-hmm. Like, why do you think that we're in this situation? Um, I think, I mean, I think it has to do a lot with, um, just the economic system that we have in place. Um, so I, I believe in capitalism, but I think that it has to be appropriately regulated, um, because otherwise, uh, you get this sort of fundamental imbalance, uh, and you get a redistribution of wealth from, you know, the poor and middle class to the wealthy. Uh Um, and, uh, I think that just sort of that general trend has probably led to, the increased privatization of the healthcare system over time. Um, and I mean, luckily we do have, uh, some, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure what the best term is to use for it, but we do have some like public programs, uh, in the healthcare, uh, like space. Yeah. Like we have, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, Medicaid yeah. uh, chip and stuff like that. Um, but I think we just need to expand those things and essentially just make healthcare like guaranteed to everyone. Cause yeah. I think we have the, the economic resources to, to do it. Do you have any experience mm-hmm. with using Medicaid or Medicare or any, or any sort of like free mm-hmm. healthcare? Have you had any experience? Um, I, d- yeah, I did use uh Medicaid, um, or was it, no, it was Medicare. Um, I think, wait, uh, Medicare is for senior citizens, right? Uh, I'm not sure. The yeah. Differences. I think, I think that's what it is. Um, Medicaid, uh, is what I had when I was uh, a kid because my uh, my dad passed away when I was still you know under eighteen yeah and so for the remainder um, of my youth basically I had Medicaid coverage yeah I had the same experiences um, yeah, yeah yeah so that's sure. but it's it, it tends to be tougher to get into doctors when you have that free health it can be it, it tends yep. to be harder mm-hmm. to get good doctors uh, mm-hmm. and 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 also name brand medications. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like those people have been written off. It's some, it's gotcha. some, you know, it's, it feels like some weird kind of mm-hmm. side program where mm-hmm. you, you know, it, you kind of got to jump through hoops, but at the same time it is free. And it's for mostly it's for people who are either, like you mm-hmm. said, underage, or if you're a student, I think you could do that till you're like 21, maybe. Yeah. Like I think that's true. Something like yep. that. Yeah. So, I believe so. Yeah. There, there are definitely programs that offer, that they mm-hmm. offer as far as like government. Right. That, that can help. Um, but they're still not. They're still not the best. It would be nice to see it mm-hmm. fixed and then fixed for everyone. Absolutely. For yeah. sure. Totally agree with that, man. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. That's dope. So you uh see you you're I know I know mm-hmm. a little bit that you're uh we have a background in politics because we've been talking about it. But mm-hmm. where did you go to college and what, what did you study? Mm-hmm. So uh yeah, I went to Ohio State, uh studied political science. Um and uh that was when I sort of when I started working in the politics stuff while I was up there. Um and then uh when I moved down to Florida, I, I changed careers and I started working in the education field. Um, and I got my master's down there at the university of Florida. Um, so those are kind of my two, it's weird, it's weird to have those as my two alma maters because like Ohio state and, uh, university of Florida kind of have like a traditional like sports rivalry a little right, bit because right. they're, they're, uh, the Gators versus OSU. Exactly. Cause they played in basketball and in football, they played in the national championship against each other. Um, but, You're uh, a traitor, Kevin, I know. Yeah. That's what I felt <laughs> like, you know, but, uh, but yeah, so those are my two my two schools. Sweet man, mm-hmm. yeah, that's dope. So, 
Yeah, you so you graduated from there, you decided to come back. Your family's from Ohio, you've always lived here or Yep. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. The Franklin area. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And um well I don't really have a lot of notes, man, but if you wanna mm-hmm. like uh this won't be out until January, but if you wanna still plug your shows, I know you have reoccurring mics. Sure. Um, if you want to do that, or I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to plug or anything going on you wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there are a few shows that that are going to be coming up. Um, I'm trying to think of stuff after January. Uh, the Barrel of Laughs Comedy Show in February is going to be on February sixth. Okay. Um, it's a great it, show. It's a, it's always a lot of fun. Yeah, you guys should check um, that out. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, and I, I'm probably gonna revamp that one a little bit this year and make it like try and spice it up a little bit because I we I feel like we had a good first year, but like there are some things that I want to change. Like after having a year of experience running it, so okay. so I I don't know exactly what we're gonna do, but I think it's gonna be uh you know a lot of fun this year. Um, and then uh I still have to schedule Billy's, but we'll be returning in January or February. Okay, um, and probably that's in as Lebanon, like a right Billy's beer and burgers. Yep, and uh, that'll be like an every Wednesday thing, most likely. That's what we did this past month, and I think we're going to continue with that. Is that open um, mic or is that you? You're uh, booking that. I th- I think I'm going to convert it to an open mic. Show I think up, it makes yeah. I think it makes the most sense with yeah. that model. You know, I may I may keep it as like a, a show that has like a lot of bucket spots. Yeah. Um, so I I might do some sort of hybrid or something, but. Um, I that, like that. It's definitely an open mic atmosphere, though. But I dig it. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a good little ride. But it's fun to you know, it's mm-hmm. fun to work different rooms. So, yeah, sure. for comics yeah. out there who don't know, you guys should check out Billy's Beer and Burgers on Wednesdays in Lebanon. Yep, uh, starting in um, I'm not totally sure yet, but January or February, depending on when we decide to kind of bring it back. Okay, and then mm-hmm. where is the uh, the barrel? Where is that's in Centerville? Uh, that's in uh, Springboro. Springboro. So yep. Springboro, Ohio. That's the Centerville, and then mm-hmm. uh, February sixth, right? Uh, February sixth, eight thirty p.m. Eight thirty p.m. And then yep. that is actually you have paid professionals. That's going to be a real comedy show, right? People can come yeah. and see that. Yep, exactly. So I know you usually mm-hmm. book a really good show, man. Um, that's why I Thanks, wanted to man. get you on here. Yeah, you've you've definitely you know hooked me up, put me on a couple of them too. So it's always oh, awesome. Oh yeah. No appreciate problem, the love. Um, and yeah, I mean, I really appreciate you coming over and hanging out and kind of smoking with me and talking about all this shit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, thanks. Absolutely, dude. Thank right. you.